You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash. With a silver hat about his head. And a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country. A villain, big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and fake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Friday, July 19th, 2019. Your boy Q here back with you. As always, you can find me on Twitter at your boy Q254. You have anything that's on your mind, anything you want to say, you can always hit up that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line at 707-654-4693. And we're getting closer and closer and closer to Raiders training camp. The rookies, they'll report on the 23rd. Veterans, they report on the 26th. And the first practice will be officially on the 27th. So getting closer and closer. Very excited about that. And very excited about each and every show that we do here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up on today's show, in segment number three, I have calls off the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Some of the topics we've been talking about, some just random thoughts, but it's all good. That's coming up in segment number three. In segment number two, I'm pretty excited because... I have basically a testimony that I want to play for you. And you're probably looking at the radio or you're looking at your phone or thinking, huh, a testimony? What are you talking about, Q? And what happened is on Thursday on ESPN Central Texas, uh, I've been hosting the show or I was hosting the show because Craig Smoke, he's out. He's on vacation. He'll be on vacation until next Wednesday. And uh, so I've been having guests come in and and be a part of the show, be co-host on the show. So on Thursday, I had King McClure on the show and who he is, because somebody probably thinking right now, like, who in the world is that? It's actually a guy who played uh, basketball at Baylor University and, you know, ESPN Central Texas. We are the flagship station of Baylor University. So I've kind of gotten to know him over the years, but he has a hell of a story to tell. Now, he co-hosted the whole show with me on Thursday, but he had a really good story that he had to tell about the adversity that he overcame, some challenges that he had in his life before he ever got to play basketball on the collegiate level. Really, really good story. And look, I know it has nothing to do with the Raiders, but I wanted to share it because I don't know whose life it might touch. And when he told this story, even though I already knew the story and I know what he's overcame and I know him, you know, personally, it still, it just touched me to know the step-by-step process that he had to go from, from being uh, a high recruit coming out of high school in Dallas, Texas, to have an opportunity to play at Baylor University, then all of a sudden having a snatch from him. It was really a hell of a story. And again, There's people every single day that may need a little bit inspiration. So I just think that it's really important for someone to hear. You might not know who he is. You might not ever realize who he is. You can Google him if you want. Again, his name is King McClure, and he has a hell of a story. Uh, he was a really good co-host on, on the show on Thursday with me, and he told his story for, it was like one segment, and I just asked him about, you know, let, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about uh, your issue that you had, your adversity that you had to overcome, and it was really good. It was about a 15-minute segment, so I'm going to have that little interview or that, that story that he tells, and of course, I, you know, I interject a little bit, but I'm going to uh, let him tell his story in the second segment. And again, if it touches one person's life, 
if one person feels a little bit inspired from it, then it was well worth it. And, and I feel like I've done my job. And, uh, you know, I know he'll appreciate it as well. Matter of fact, he's going to be doing some podcasts. He's going to have some podcasts uh, popping off pretty soon called King's Court. And uh, he's got a lot of good things, man. He's got, guy's got a good head on his shoulders for a 22-year-old young man. So that's what you're going to hear in segment number two. Here in segment number one, kind of as always, give you the, like, the news and the notes for the day. Not a whole lot. as Like I said, we're uh, less than a week away from the start of training camp. I mean, again, the rookies report on the 23rd, the vets report on the 26th, and the first practice actually happens on the 27th. So let me give you the news uh, that popped off on Thursday, a little bit later, Thursday afternoon. The Raiders signed wide receiver DeMornay Pearson L. They signed him. He was also a guy that they had signed back in April, April 8th to be exact, and then they cut him three weeks later. They uh, they cut Saeed Blacknall in a corresponding move because you had to get under the or get to the 90-man roster. So they cut Saeed Blacknall. Uh, again, this move for DeMornay Pearson L, not a big move. Neither one of those are big moves. Neither one of those guys are going to make the 53-man roster. I don't know. They, the Raiders might find some diamonds in the rough that they put on the practice squad, but neither one of those two guys are going to be it. I'm just saying those are going to be guys that are going to get some some rub in, in training camp. They're going to take some reps from some people so everyone doesn't have to go through every single rep, and you're trying to avoid injury as well. So uh, this signing, again, of DeMornay, Pearson L, not a big deal. The cutting of Saeed Blacknall, also not a big deal. Like I said, neither one of those guys were going to make the 53-man roster. I mean, if you think about it, this is who I look at as far as wide receivers that have an opportunity or will, for no no doubt about it, make the, the roster. Antonio Brown, no, no doubt about it. We already know that he's going to be wide receiver number one. Tyrell Williams, he'll be wide receiver number two. Then you look at it and you see Hunter Renfro. He's a guy that I highly believe in. Fourth round draft pick. Obviously, he's a rookie. I believe he'll make it. So that's three spots right there. Now, this is where it starts to get a little tricky. Keelan Doss, undrafted free agent. I think he makes the roster. I think he finds a way to make the roster. If not, maybe he makes the practice squad. I think somehow, someway, he ends up with the Raiders. But I do think Keelan Doss is going to make the roster. Marcel Aitman is a big question for me. Marcel Aitman was the number one wide receiver on the Raiders until Antonio Brown was acquired. I mean, there was a part, there was a time in this offseason when Marcel Aitman was wide receiver number one. Mike Mayock even said it before the draft, before the combine, that right now on the roster, Marcel Aitman is wide receiver number one. He was a seventh round draft pick in 2018. He, I think, has an opportunity to make the roster, but I think he's really, really going to have to fight because the Raiders have really, really uh, increased and, and, and made their talent level as far as the wide receiver position a lot better. Dwayne Harris, I believe Dwayne Harris is going to make it, no doubt about it, because of his special team skills. He can return punts. He can return kicks. Uh, he's a guy that John Gruden likes. He's a, a veteran leader. Uh, he made some good heads-up plays in 2018 for the Raiders. I definitely think he's going to make it because of his special team skills. Now, a guy like Keelan Doss, maybe he turns into a special team stud, and all of a sudden Dwayne Harris is, is not needed. Or maybe Marcel Aitman, which I don't think he will, will turn into a special team stud. But because the fact that Dwayne Harris has that ability to be a special team stud as well, he's going to make the roster. So uh, Antonio Brown, yes. Tyrell Williams, yes. Hunter Renfro, yes. Keelan Doss, I think he makes the roster either as a as a 53-man roster or the practice squad. Marcel Aitman, if any of these guys are going to get cut, it might be him. And then Dwayne Harris will make the roster, in my opinion, because of those special team skills and the fact that John Gruden loves what he brings to the tables on special teams. And he, he already knows Rich Basaccia really, really well for their time together when they were in Dallas. 
Also, a little bit of news about the Las Vegas Stadium. Mick Akers, the guy who's been on the podcast before, I talked to him specifically about the stadium, specifically about the whereabouts and the things that are going on in Vegas uh, as the Raiders prepare to make their move next season. Uh, he actually put out a tweet. I guess there was a meeting on Thursday that kind of let it let it be known where the the updates were and how the stadium uh, was progressing, how things were going on. And uh, right now, the Las Vegas Stadium is on schedule. It's on budget and sits at fifty one percent complete with $944.7 million spent so far. $340.8 million has come from the stadium authority, which is the room tax. The debt reserve for the stadium is now at $52.7 million, which is 58% funded. So, kind of how this breaks down a little bit. Uh, like I said, 51% of the stadium is already complete, so they're definitely well on their way to getting the stadium done as they need be. But the Las Vegas Stadium Authority, $340.8 million, which is... of the $750 million budget. Then Bank of America Senior Credit Facility, $213.4 million has been spent of that. That's 38.1% of a $560 million budget. Personal seat license revenue is already up to $320.5 million. That's 97.1 of a $330 million budget. And then you're looking at the NFL G4 credit facility. That's something that they do, and they give out to different teams to allow them to help build their stadiums. 35% of $200 million budget. Now, again, the main key word in that is, I said give out, but NFL G4 credit facility. We all know what credit means. Credit means that you got to pay that thing back. But yeah, 35% of that uh, $200 million budget has been set, spent, $70.1 million. So, uh, yeah, the stadium is well on its track. It's it's well on its way of being completed on time. Looks like it's going to be uh, right at budget, maybe just a little bit over. But it's it's well-funded. It's well taken care of. And, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be one of them things to be very, very excited about once it's finally done. Also, the last piece of news before we get into segment number two, Hard Knocks. First day of filming actually officially began on Thursday. Uh, Derek Carr said that they were filming at his house. He actually tweeted out about who needs a shout-out, any mixtapes popping, stuff like that. So I shot my shot. I tell you all the time on this podcast that you're guaranteed to miss a shot that you don't take. So I said, hey, you want to hop on uh, the Locked On Raiders podcast? I just threw it out there because uh, he, he was talking about shout-outs. I don't need a shout-out. How about you come on the podcast? How about you let... Uh, Hard Knocks uh, records you while you're interviewing, while you're doing a conversation with me on the Lockdown Raider podcast. He never responded. I know a lot of you that follow me on Twitter, you saw me shoot that shot and uh, probably responded to him like, Derek Carr, make it happen. Hey, do it happen. You know, they liked it, retweeted it, whatever. A lot of people did, got a lot of traction. The guy that didn't make a response on it was Derek Carr. But again, that's okay. I mean, I'm going to shoot my shot because you're guaranteed to miss a shot that you don't take. So that's kind of the news and notes for Thursday. Not a whole lot of moving and shaking, but, you know, some minor things here and there. Plus a little update on the stadium I thought was really cool. Coming up in segment number two, I got the testimony from my man, King McClure, from Baylor basketball player. He graduated, and the minute he graduated uh, from high school, this is from high school, a lot of things started going on in his life, and he has a hell of a testimony, he has a hell of a story to tell, and he's going to tell that next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. But before he does that, before he does that, I got a shout out, Postmates. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service you need, 
all year around. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On Raider podcast listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. All you got to do is download the Postmates app and use the code Locked On. Again, Postmates, they're giving you for a limited time $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code Locked On. Segment number two is coming up next. King McClure tells his testimony. I think you'll appreciate it. I think it's going to help you. It'll inspire someone. I guarantee it. That's coming up next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast on this Friday. It's the end of the week, baby. July 19th, 2019. Your boy Q here. And in this segment, you're going to hear a testimony from my man King McClure, former Baylor basketball player, graduated, has a lot of things he's working on, including possibly playing ball overseas. But he's also dipping in the broadcasting world. He's going to have a podcast dropping soon called King's Court. Now, again, like I said in segment number one, has nothing to do with the Raiders. But in my opinion, very inspirational story. A young man who overcame adversity to have the ability to continue living out his dream. And sometimes you just need to hear this, regardless of who you're a fan of, what we're talking about. Sometimes you just need to hear a perspective from another young person, a perspective from anyone who's uh, overdealt, overcame uh, adversity, dealt with it in a major way, handled it in a major way, and like I said, overcame it. So I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just going to jump right into it. This was myself and King McClure on Thursday on ESPN Central Texas. want to talk about the adversity that you had to overcome, the yeah. challenges that you faced uh, coming out of high school, uh, not knowing if you're going to be able to play uh, basketball again. Uh, summer yeah. 2015, they basically told you you're not going to play basketball yeah, anymore. Yeah. You had a heart condition. You had to have surgery, have a defibrillator put in it. Just walk us, kind of walk us through that process. And as a young man, I mean, mm-hmm. you're only 22 now. Yeah. You're still a young man. So <laughs> at, at, I can only imagine in 2015 hearing that you're not going to do something that you love anymore there's a chance you couldn't do something that you love anymore it had to be almost gut-wrenching yeah for sure so my freshman year you know we get on campus the so i graduated in may so we get on campus june 1st so the first week we just do tests and they run ekgs echocardiograms well mine came back abnormal and you know they told me i you know i, I couldn't get, i couldn't do any basketball activities until they figured out what was going on so you know, they sent it to different doctors, and nobody knew what was going on. So we ended up finding a doctor in Seattle who knew what was going on. This mm-hmm. is about you know two, three weeks into it. We fly out there, and the doctor tells me, you know, I've seen this twice in my life, and both of those players were professional athletes, and but they both had to stop their career. They both had to end wow. their career. Wow. And just looked at me in my face and said, you have to stop playing basketball or – you will die. So basically, your career is over. Yeah. And, you know, as an 18-year-old young man, the first thing I do, I start crying. Right, right. And I was devastated because, like you said, it's something I did my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I put in the hours, put in time with my father. And this is something that I had dreams of playing. And for your dreams to get crushed like that, it was devastating. But, you know, fortunately, I have great parents. My mom my dad, they were able to basically encouraged me. And my mom was a big advocate of, you know, this is not, it's not the final word. You know, right. God has a plan for you. Mm-hmm. This is just something you have to overcome. And my mom preached that day by day. My mom said, no, this is not true. This is not the case. You're going to play. You're going to live out your dreams. And mm-hmm. when I kept hearing that, you know, the more I heard that, the more I started to believe it. My dad too. And he said, you know, this is God's plan. You know, God's a plan for you. And so time goes by. So we're going to another doctor. 
doctor tells us the same thing. You know, my career is over. His doctor's in Maryland. Uh, he tells me the same thing. We couldn't play. And once again, you know, I was devastated right. to hear that twice now. So yeah, now, I'm, yeah. now I'm starting to believe it. Like, You're on strike too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, man, this, this is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. it, my dreams are crushed. I'm, it's almost over for me. My parents said the same thing. You know, keep fighting. Like, it's not over for you. You're not done. God has a plan for you. So, I mean, Coach Drew also being the persistent man he is, he's not taking no for an answer. The, uh, the extreme optimist, isn't he? <laughs> the extreme optimist. Man. So, he just he told him, we're going to find somebody until you we find a doctor who can clear you. Right. So, we finally find one in Minnesota. And this doctor says, you know, you can play, but you have to get a defibrillator to ensure that, you know, if anything happens to you, you're safe. Right. So, you know, I was ecstatic to hear that. You know, I was overjoyed and I got the defibrillator. You know, at first my mom was a little hesitant to get the defibrillator because, you know, I'm I'm her baby boy. And of course. she loves me. She didn't want she didn't want me to go through that. She no, didn't want to no see surgery, me, nothing. Yeah, yeah of she course. She didn't want not. me to go through the yep. surgery. She didn't want to see the pain I was going through. You know, my dad he was, oh, let's get it right now. <laughs> we got to get you back out on the court. <laughs> but but my mom, my mom really wasn't going for it. So it took mm-hmm. her some time to, you know, process that. And because, I mean, she loves me so much. And she, right. nobody wants to see that child go through that. So it took her about two weeks to finally say yes. So, you know, we got the surgery uh, on July 27th of uh, 2015. And got the surgery. It took about two weeks to recover. Then I was able to start you know, getting back to not really working out, but starting to do more physical activity. Because right. from June 1st to about August 1st, I I was like doing any, nothing because mm-hmm. they told me we don't know what's going on. So we don't trust it. You know, we don't we don't want anything to happen to you. So I couldn't do any physical activity, anything. So I'm just sitting there eating, gaining weight and, <laughs> you know, just doing what an 18 year old guy would do of course. You know, if, he, if he couldn't play basketball. So time goes by, and like I said, I talked about earlier, October 1st was, you know, the date where I could finally get back on the court and mm-hmm. compete uh, and do physical, uh, you know, physical activity, actual compete, like, you know, with contact. So that was the first day back, and then that's what started my career. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's, that's a hell of a testimony right there. And I mean, mm-hmm. that just kind of allows people to know and, and even even take a, 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 a look back behind the curtain of what you can overcome if, one, mm-hmm. you believe that you can overcome and you yeah. keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Keep fighting. And so then, you know, fast forward, then you have a teammate in Isaiah Austin who's yeah. NBA bound. NBA yeah. bound then finds out he can't go and compete in the NBA. What was, what were those kind of conversations like between maybe you and, and, and Isaiah? Yeah, so, I mean, Isaiah, you know, definitely happened before me, like probably about two years before me. Um, so, but then, you know, when he heard what I was going through, right. he was one of the first people to reach out mm-hmm. and tell me, because when the story released, you know, he he saw it, reached out to me personally, and right. said, you know, because I've, I've been knowing him. Yeah, I yeah, took yeah. visits here, mm-hmm. and he was like my host on some of my visits, and even throughout high school, you know, I knew right. who he was, he knew who I was. So, you know, he just basically told me, like, God has a plan for you. I'm going through what you're going through, and I know, like, what you're going through more than probably anybody else, because mm-hmm. I can relate to you. Right. And, you know, he basically told me anything I needed, you know, I was just spending time with him just you know, picking his brain, uh, seeing how did how did you react to this? You right. know, why why is this happening to us? Like why why us at all? Why people? me? Right? Yeah, why how me? easy is it to say why me? Yeah, why me? But mm-hmm. you know, I think one thing I learned from that is not to ask why me, but try to make the most of that situation. Right. You know, when you ask why me, it's kind of like you're feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. You're kind of letting it hold you back. But so when you really take the situation for what it is and look forward and say, okay, well, how can I take the situation and better myself? 
how can I help other people by what I've gone through? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the outlook I really started having to having to use on that because I saw Isaiah, you know, taking his story, telling the story, and going around and speaking to other people, like speaking across the country and, and inspiring people. So I said, I want to do the same thing. You know, if I can't play basketball, I want the next person who's in my shoes who has a disease to be able to do what they do, they want to do, and live out their dreams because I couldn't live out mine. So I want to be able to help and inspire others. So I think that, you know, that was the biggest thing. Isaiah was huge, and he really helped me a lot. That's awesome. That is awesome. We got this uh, question on, on the Bush's Chicken text line. You can chime in at 254-662-1660. Uh, it's funny. Hashtag ask, ask King from Ashley. How have you made your adversity your advantage, and how has your heart situation made you into the person you are now? Mm, uh, that's, a good, that's a good question. So like, kind of like what I said earlier, I've taken, you know, my heart, my heart disease and you know, once the story released, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was in the New York Times, right? Also, um, and I was just getting DMs from different people who were going through the same thing I was going through. I didn't realize this many people had, you know, this problem, right, or this heart disease. So I I would just you know respond to DMs on a daily basis and tell people, you know, it's going to be okay. God has a plan. Just because this didn't work out for you does not mean that something else will. You know what? When one door shuts, another one opens. Right. And this is a perfect example. We were uh, in Iowa State. We were playing Iowa State, and I was hurt. I was going through my knee, my knee problems. But there was a woman who was blowing up Coach Drew's email and Coach Tang's email saying, you know, my daughter has HCM. You know, she, we read King's story. Right. And, you know, they were able somehow to see the same doctor I was able to go to. And they said, in a sense, King saved my daughter's life. We have to meet him at the hotel when y'all come down. Like, can y'all please approve this? Yeah. And she sent about like five to ten emails, wow. just like begging them, please. Mm-hmm. So Coach Drew asked me if that was cool, and I said, yeah. So they get there, and I get to get to the hotel where the whole team is in there eating. You know, they they come in and they start talking, and they start talking to the team. And then the woman just breaks down, like, you know, saying, King, you don't know how much of a, a help you've been to right. me and my family. The little girl is in there crying. It was, That's heavy, uh, man. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. I, I'm about to start crying. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody's in there. It's really emotional. And I've, I didn't realize that, you know, so many people, you can inspire so many people, right. you know, through your difficulties and through your adversities. And I think just me, and my biggest thing in the future, I, I plan on having foundations, mm-hmm. right? having the Heart of a King Foundation nice. to where you know, it helps people you know, be able to get funding to go see the doctors if they have ACM. Yeah. So I've taken this and, and really made the most of it and really just trying to have a positive outlook and saying, you know, the NBA red flagged me because of my heart disease. But I don't want the NBA to red flag the next guy who's in my shoes. Right. So, you know, in the future, I plan on talking to the NBA, telling the NBA, you know, I played four years with. I played my whole life with this, and nothing's happened to me. Yeah. So if you you red flag me, that's fine. But for the next young man who's in my shoes, I don't want you to do that to him. I want to, want to prove to you that it's, it's okay. Right. You know, we're we're safe, and and we we can go out there and play with it. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the biggest thing, just trying to help people. Yeah. And when people reach out to me, respond back, and really just be, you know. I guess the advocate for ACM. I guess right. No, and it's it's awesome that you're taking that responsibility. Not only are you telling you know the NBA don't don't red flag them for this, but you're telling mm-hmm. the, the the people that have it, the people that are going through it, don't red flag yourself on life. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, don't, yeah. yeah, don't red flag yourself. Don't don't count yourself out because you're having a setback. Yeah, for sure. You know, people always say, you know, uh, a minor setback for a major a major, major comeback, comeback. Yeah. but it's real. It's real. You know, it, it, it's a real deal right there. We just got this text that I thought was really good. That you'd appreciate. He said, "I had open heart sur- or he or she's. I had open heart surgery when I was just born. Two surgeries within a year. Oh man! And then all of a sudden, I get okay. Hold on, here it goes. Uh, I had open heart surgery when I was just born. Two surgeries within a year. I had a hole in my heart." I was the 13th baby in the state of Tennessee to be frozen to be operated on. I'm 42 now and I was able to play sports. And just like King, I was told I wasn't going to be able to play sports. God is good all the time. Man, that's, that's deep. <laughs> hey, that, that's real. Whoever that was, you know, praise to you, man. You know, God God is real. Yeah. And that's one thing I saw throughout my journey. And you know, especially when I was 18 years old, you know, growing up, right. you, you in the church and you go yeah. to the church and it's really more your parents' faith. Mm-hmm. Than your faith, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, it's true. You know, your parents pressed that up on you. Mm-hmm. But at eighteen, when I I saw all this adversity hit, it started to become my faith instead of my parents' faith mm-hmm. because I had to believe and I had to trust in God. The guy had a plan for me. That was the first time I really experienced something like that. We're seeing that God was real, right? And that you know, it's just not my parents saying that. Oh, you need to believe in God. You need to go to church. I'm yeah. I'm taking it on my own. Yeah, and saying yeah, no doubt about it. God is real, and I trust and believe. That's awesome. That is really, really cool. 254-662-1660. If you want to uh, chime in, you want to ask King, you want to uh, comment on something that you've heard, it's all good. Steven, did you have a, a question that you wanted to ask King? How risky was that surgery, King? I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. your, your mom. It took her a while to, to get around to that. Yeah. I mean, were you? how nervous were you going into that? <laughs> you know, I've never had surgery before. Um, I was super nervous. I'm not even going to lie because they – I mean, you really can't see the incisions right now, but they go right under the the, the chest, mm-hmm. which is close to the heart. They connect wires to your heart. Then they go kind of towards you know the lower abdomen part, mm-hmm. and they put the defibrillator in there. And you know, this is actually funny story. Nobody knows this. Not, not, not well, not too many people know this. Yeah. So about last year, I was in a meeting. And my defibrillator beeped and started going off like a ringtone. Yeah. And I was looking around. I was like, what's going on? I'm in the middle of a meeting. I'm looking at the girl next to me. You know, yeah. that's your phone? Right. And then, and then I realized, I'm like, wait a second, that's me. Yeah. I'm beeping. So then I, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> right. So I called the trainer and I, I was like, hey, my, my defibrillator is beeping. Like, what yeah. do I do? He said, you know, he tried to play it cool. He was just like, all right, it's cool. I'm finna about to come get you and go to the hospital. Because apparently one of the wires had... Uh, messed up and if one of the wires mess up it could lead to involuntary shocks mm. and they said one of those shocks where like you get slammed in the chest like with a bat like somebody swinging a bat really? into the chest just kind of okay, okay yeah but I noticed at the time so my, my trainer played it cool because he knew if I he would have told me that I would start panicking I would yeah. be like oh nah right. I gotta go Yeah. so he played it cool we went to the to the uh, emergency room and they shut my defibrillator off so then I had to fly out to Minnesota and basically they had to go in and they couldn't go in under the incision right under the heart mm-hmm. because it was too close to the heart. They didn't want to take that risk. So they had to make a new incision. So now I have three incisions. They have to make a new incision like right in between my chest. Mm-hmm. And they had to go in and repair the wire and fix that. And, you know, that was well, scary. Scary. Yeah. I mean, you, wow. It's like technology is in a sense like you got your life in the hands of technology. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ultimately it's in God's hands. But, you know, technology in a sense is – you know, all in my body, and 
kind of, you know, really scary, really hard time. So. All right, so there it was right there. I hope that that meant a lot to you. I know it meant a lot to me, man. It meant a lot to me when he was telling the story. I already knew the story. Uh, some folks might know it. Some people might not know it. But just hearing this young man talk and, and, and be the guy that he is and the stand-up guy and the fact that he wants to do so much other things with his life and, and be a be a guy for other people, you know, be an inspiration to other people, I thought that it was only right that I share this on the podcast. So hopefully you got something good out of that. If you did and you want to tweet at him, you can. Uh, he's definitely on Twitter. Like I said, he was on the show on Thursday at King K I N G M C C L U R E 22 at King M C C L U R E 22 on Twitter. Hit him up. Let him know that you appreciate uh, what you heard today on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, your call straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693. This is the Lockdown Raiders podcast. You are locked on Raiders. Your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Raider Nation, here we are. Final segment of the day. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Final segment of the week. So we're going to get some calls in right now. Straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with NorCal Raider 530 He's calling in to talk about the Raiders only given an 11% chance to make the playoffs in 2019 and his reasons why he's not happy about it. Here he is, NorCal Raider in the 530. Hey, thank you. What's up? Uh, this is uh, NorCal Raider 530. Um, I'm just getting off work, and I was listening to uh, First Take uh, ESPN, and these guys were really, really bashing the Raiders um, about 11% chance of them making the playoffs. Anyways, however... I just can't believe they don't take any respect towards the Raiders. They keep living on the past. You know, they need to focus on the present. Um, I mean, like, the Broncos have, like, no quarterback, and they have uh, Joe Flacco that, you know, he, he likes to create turnovers like a mother. And uh, you also have uh, Philip Rivers, you know, saying that he won 12 games last year or whatever. This guy's unproven. This guy's never done anything in the playoffs. He's inconsistent. He's inaccurate. In big games, he's never done anything in his life. Uh, last year, he had the chance against the Patriots, and he got his butt kicked. He got slapped around. This guy's a joke. He should be traded to to a, a, a team, and they should just start over. You know, they're, they're a joke of a franchise. And the Chiefs, you know, just because uh, Patrick Mahomes had one good season, a lot of people have had one good season. Once they figure out the schemes and figure out the weaknesses and take away the ability to scramble, then, this, then we'll see if, if Patrick Mahomes can actually do something with himself. So, I mean, I can't say the kid's not great. Uh, he's with a lot of speed spirits. Andy Reid does a great job with uh, quarterbacks, but it's only been one season. You know, they, you know, Derek Carr had one good season, you know, and he hasn't been that great ever since. Uh, so I still think he has a chance to, get, to redeem himself. A lot of it has to do with the uh, management and all the changes in the organization. But there's a lot of people out there that only have one good season, and that's it. So uh, I think the Chiefs are – you know, I think they're a good franchise, but they're not great. And I, I, I know the Raiders can go over there and slap them around a little bit. So I'm hopeful uh, we have a good season this year. I'm hopeful the, uh, the draft picks pan out. You know, um, you know the defense can you know, get at, actually cover. And uh, the most thing I'm worried about is maybe the Raiders' interior line. You know, like, um, are they able to tackle, put pressure on the quarterback? If we can put pressure on the quarterback this year, um, our corners can play a lot better. So we'll see. Uh, and um, in the offensive side, um, I'm just hopeful that, um, you know, we'll see who steps up for tight end, you know. And 
who's going to be our our third receiver? You know, uh, I already know it's going to be. Uh, I already know who our center Brown. You know, our other receivers, but uh, I just want to see who else is going to step up and, and help out, see how things go. All right, Q. Well, that's all I got. Uh, thanks. So my man NorCal Raider, he's not too happy with the love that the Chiefs and Chargers are getting. Totally understand that. Not wanting to show a division rival love, but I'm going to say, and I've said it before, that those two teams, they have to be the favorites in the division. Not saying the Raiders can't do it. Don't get me wrong. But just saying they aren't the favorites. As far as like putting a percentage on it, 11% chance, it's probably really closer to 20% or even 25% chance of making the playoffs. And this is why. This is the breakdown. So before you look at me crazy, this is my breakdown in my mind. 20% chance to win the division for the Raiders. 15% chance to win the division for the Broncos. 30% chance to win the division for the Chargers. And I would say 35% chance to win for the Chiefs. That's just, in my opinion, how it would shake out. Again, if you're going the Raiders, I give a 20% chance to win the division. 15% for the Broncos. 30 for the Chargers. 35 for the Chiefs. Now, if it's just to make the playoffs... I would say 25% to win the wild card. A lot of things have to go right. The defense has to be better. The red zone uh, offense has to be a lot better. They can't settle for field goals. They got to get touchdowns. Special teams has got to be a lot better. Games on the road got to be better. Play calling, ball security, capitalizing off of turnovers, creating turnovers. I mean, all that. It's all got to improve. But again, if I'm talking about winning the division, I'll give the Raiders a 20% chance. If I'm talking about just making the playoffs by way of wild card, I'll give them a 25% chance because you just never know how things could shake out. So ultimately, the Chiefs and the Chargers have to be looked at as the best two teams in the division, at least right now. Vader Raider in 303 is up next, shouting out a few folks from Locked On Raider Nation Facebook and the podcast, Raider Al in Georgia and the Section 107 Row 26 and X Raider in Sacramento. Here he is, Vader Raider in 303. What's up, Q? What's up, Raider Nation? It's your boy, Vader Raider. Uh, just wanted to take a quick shout out to uh, uh, Big Al on the, uh, the Facebook page there. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, definitely check it out. And, uh, really good stuff. Al's room is pretty awesome. And when I see stuff like that, I'm like, man, I wish the wife would just be okay with me just decorating everything in silver and black. Uh, also, shout out to Anna. Big Al, shout out, like I said, shout out to Big Al. He is not lying when he says that that, <laughs> that bathroom is off the chain. I mean, that is something else. Also, I wanted to shout out X Raider for bringing up, you know, us fans as um, building that Raider mystique. You know, it's funny. It's funny, X. You know, you you brought up something that really kind of hit home. You know, I always say this, and it's it's kind of strange, but there are. We always say there's 32 teams in the league, and then there's the Raiders. But it's kind of true because, you know. You have to realize, Raider Nation, and, and, and you guys realize this, but, you know, I gotta tell you, when it, when it comes to us fans, who in their right mind in the NFL, except maybe Steeler fan and Raven fan, if you lined us all up, and it was like, and I, and I always imagine like a battlefield, and if this battlefield had fans of every, all, 32 teams in the NFL, I guarantee you that the silver and black flag would fly at the end of the day. I'm sorry, but there are, there are football fans and then there's us. I mean, not, not, not to, not to, not to piggyback off of what X said, but X is right. 
we bring it. You know, it, it, it's, you know, when we hear somebody use nation in their name, thank you again, Drew Brees, on the SB saying, who that nation? You're, I hate you. Go away. Anyway, but you know what I'm saying, guys? It's like, I, and I truly feel that, Q. If it was all of us, <laughs> all of us, because, and, and I truly believe this, there's more Raider fans per capita in the world than there are football fans across America. I'm sorry. I just believe it's true. But I, let me know what you think, Raider Nation. If we were all on a battlefield, Q, me, most, no, all of us, actually all of us, and we had knives, to, and, and who would come out on top? Raider, Raider, out. Great call, my man. Great call about the Raiders' mystique. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. It's been a minute, but uh, thank you for chiming in. Uh, way to shout out uh, all the folks on, on the podcast and also on the Facebook page and uh, how Raider Nation is just doing it real big in the offseason. Definitely appreciate that. Next call comes from Tony from the Raider Mob, calling in to ask about Raiders' jerseys that he should get for his son and then talking about traditions that the mob does for away games, home games, plus the Raiders' mystique. Here he is, Tony from the Raider Mob. What's up, Raider Nation? This is uh, Tony from the Raider Mob. Uh, pretty much have a bunch of lack of sleep because a uh, little guy is uh, really uh, giving us a hell of a ride. Uh, so I wanted help from Raider Nation because I want to buy my son his first uh, Raider jersey, but I don't know uh, what player to get him this time. And uh, I think I want to get it before the season starts, but, you know, just, you know, Let's see what's out there, whatever. But if you guys have any suggestions, I'm probably just getting them a custom one because I don't think they're going to have any already made his size. And uh, when it comes to a uh, little tradition that me and the mob do is uh, at away games, we uh, go all to uh, Raider Mob HQ, which is uh, known as my parents' house. And uh, my mom will cook us breakfast if it's an early game or we'll barbecue at her house, drink a few beers and just have fun with the, with our family. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, other than that, we're tailgating at the Coliseum or, uh, we're, we're at my house watching uh, the game. But, and then, uh, when it comes down to the mystique of the Raiders, yeah, we, we lost the mystique. Uh, that tough rule just really screwed us over and, you know, it, 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 I don't know if, you know, the old mystique is gone. We, we just don't have it. And the only thing that we do have is that people just think that all Raider fans are thugs and criminals or drunkards, which, you know, not going to lie, there's maybe one or two of us that are. But what we need to do is just start winning. And when we start winning, we get more, a little more respect. And when we get that, we'll become the villains again, which... Ultimately, that's what the Raider mystique is, is that, you know, people think we're villains and see us as rivals and, you know, they're going to be fearing us every Sunday. Well, that's all I got to say for now, uh, Q, Raider Nation. Thank you. If you're looking for a jersey, my man, I'm just going to suggest Josh Jacobs. I've said it so many times on this podcast. I believe he will be Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think he's an absolute stud. He's going to be one of those players that's going to stick around the Raiders for a long, long time. Now, he's got to do it on the field. I get it. But I'm a big fan of Josh Jacobs. So that'd be my suggestion. Uh, or like you said, you can get a customized jersey. It's all good. A sleeper jersey. Could always be a Hunter Renfro jersey. Don't sleep on Hunter Renfro. I think he's going to be a big-time player, too. Get that number one three. 
You know, so many times, Seabass's number, that 11, was rocking in the Coliseum. Go on and get you a number 13. Get you a Hunter Renfro. I think he's going to be a player, too. Next call, H from Albuquerque. Calling in because Chris's call from Oklahoma caught his attention. Then he spoke on another story from uh, the Silver and Black show in Vegas. And they're actually really good friends of mine. Uh, I really respect what they do. I've actually tried to be a guest on the show before. I haven't got a chance to do it. But I've reached out. I was like, hey, if you ever want a, a, a guest or, hey, I'm going to the draft. If you want a guest on Sunday or whatever. But uh, I haven't been on the show yet. Hopefully one day maybe I can go there and hang out with them and, and be a part of the show. I don't know. But anyway, here's H from Albuquerque calling about what they did and also calling about Chris's call for from a Thursday show. Uh, he's calling from Oklahoma and uh, uh, by way of Stockton. So here he is, H from Albuquerque. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Nation? This is H in Albuquerque. I uh, have to admit that I'm only an occasional caller because usually when something picks my interest on the show, um, I end up falling behind and things move on before I get a chance to respond because I listen to several Raider podcasts, and so I'm generally behind all the time. But I had to do one of those stopping calls when I heard Chris from Oklahoma's call I myself am a uh, born-again Christian, so I'm always interested to hear uh, stories like that. Uh, it's pretty pretty cool to hear. And I've been meaning to call because I listened to a podcast called Silver and Black Today out of Vegas. And uh, I know I don't want to need to plug another cast on your show, but the content from those episodes lately has been so good, I wanted to share it with everybody. Jim Duckner, um, best friend of I. Alzado, just recently put out a book about Al Alzado, and um, I learned for the first time that Lyle Alzado got saved near the end of his life, which I thought was really cool. But he also tells some very interesting stories about him, and I think it's just great content. Everybody should tune in. So check that out, Silver and Black. Today they also do another one with John Matusak, and uh, a lengthy interview with Todd Marinovich. So I just wanted to share that with you. Have a great day. Bye. Good call, my man, and I'll have you know that Chris from Oklahoma by way of Stockton, he actually reached out to me on Thursday, and it looks like we're going to get together on Sunday and actually record something. He's going to be able to tell his story. I'm going to kind of Howard Cosell him and get to tell his story, and hopefully I'll have that for you on Monday's show. So uh, that's the plan right now, so hopefully that uh, shakes out. So I, I guarantee that you'll be interested in it for sure. Next call comes from T3 Raider Facts. He's calling in to give us another five quick hits for the day. Here he is, T3 Raider Facts. Hey, Q, this is T3 Raider Facts with my five quick hits for the day. Number one, hashtag pay Rodney Hudson. Number two, get Selena on the show, even if it's nothing more than having her record an outro for the show in between segments. Make her a part of this. Number three, got my black number 19 jersey on order, and it's personalized with the letters W-A-S, which stands for something. I'm going to rock it this season, 2019, the last season in Oakland, and the WAS stands for something. Now, Q, you already know what it is because I left it on a previous message a couple of days back that was never aired. But see if the podcast nation can figure it out, WAS. Number four, here's an idea for the show. I am T3, so here's a T3 for you. Third Thursday throwback. Every third Thursday of the month, bring in a former Raider and have at it. Just an idea. And number five, thank you to Raider Rav Rue for holding up your friend Raider Bill for our thoughts and prayers. You got it, man. Starting today and every day, prayers for Raider Bill, because we are one nation, Raider Nation, and we all stick together. 
Peace out, Raider Nation. I like that, man. Hashtag pay Rodney Hudson. Number two, get Selena on the show one way or the other. That's going to happen, by the way. Uh, The number 19 jersey on order, customized. It has WAS on it. And I'm not going to lie. I don't remember what that stood for. I I, I remember you said you called in and said what it was, but it didn't get played. I'm not sure why it didn't get played, but I'm not sure what it stood for either. So maybe I just missed the call. Uh, So, yeah, I don't even know what it stands for. So I'm going to have to think about it. And then he also talked about every third Thursday, bringing on a former Raider and have at it. That's pretty cool. And also, absolute prayers for Raider Bill. All that's good stuff. T3 Raider Facts, I definitely appreciate you. Got one more call for you before we call it a day and call it a week. Sean from Salt Lake City calling in for multiple reasons, including some Madden raiding. Calling in for multiple reasons, including some Madden ratings for multiple players. Here he is, Sean from Salt Lake City. Uh, what up, you at Raider Nation? Uh, this is Sean from Salt Lake City. Uh, I just got done listening to the podcast on, I believe, say Thursday, yeah. Um, Hillbilly Raider got on talking about the Madden ratings. Um, I was going to, I was thought about calling about it, so I was going to, and since he brought it up, I figured I'd call and just kind of just went out something I thought was kind of funny. Um, I think I was talking with King Raider. Um, I think he listens to this podcast, so shout out to you. King, if you're uh, listening or not, um, if not, I'm going to tweet at you so you start listening. But either way, um, I just thought it was funny how Khalil Mack comes off a defensive player of the year. He was so good with the Raiders, and he only got a 98. And often he's at the, Bra- the Bears coming off a – he was good last year, but, I mean, sack-wise he was down, things like that. Um, and, bam, he's a 99. Look at good old Khalil Mack. Um, Antonio Brown last year, the cover athlete, he was a 99. I think even for that, he was a 99 as well. He was just a star receiver. And he's coming off still a pretty damn good season. And, boom, he's a Raider and he's a 98. Um, I think it's just it's little things like that. I mean, obviously, I don't let it – I don't lose sleep over it. But I just thought it was funny that just because he's a Raider, he's down one notch. Um, either way, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Madden player. I don't play nearly as much as I used to. I try. I make sure to buy it every year. I have buddies come over. We do little tournaments and things like that. It's fun. But – as always, man, go Raiders. <laughs> That's funny. Talks about Khalil Mack being a 99 this year when he was only a 98 when he was Defensive Player of the Year when he was with the Raiders. Antonio Brown, he's a Raider now. He's down to a 98. Raiders can't get 99, huh? Just can't get a 99 rating. It's funny, man. I I, I couldn't believe how how much the, the players actually took those ratings seriously, but uh, clearly they do. So uh, I, I guess that just means that I'm getting a little bit older. Uh, my 42-year-old self thinks that uh, these guys can't, can't really uh, trip off their Madden rating, but I would think that they wouldn't care, but Again, you're, you're talking about some youngsters that probably live in the video game world. So, yeah, maybe they do. Good call, Sean. Definitely appreciate that. Coming up on Monday's show, like I mentioned just a little while ago, Chris from Oklahoma by way of Stockton. He should be on the show. We're supposed to link up on Sunday night so he can tell his story. Also, Rob Demosky talking Packers and more. He's going to be on ESPN Central Texas later on this afternoon just giving a, a Packers training camp. So that will be a way for me to be able to close up the NFC North. You'll hear uh, Steven Simcox and myself talking all things Packers with Rob Rob Demosky. That'll be on Monday's show. Plus, I'll have a lot more than that, some news and notes, as we're right on the eve of training camp open up for the Raiders. So that'll be on Monday. Hopefully, everyone has a great weekend. Be safe out there. Have a lot of fun. And as always, Raider Nation, just win, baby.